0: The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host... Thomas Umstead Jr. Have you ever been frustrated while looking for an agent or editor? Well, in today's episode, we're going to talk about where you can find good editors and agents using the Christian Writers Market Guide. And joining me today is our very own Steve Lobby, the president and founder of the Steve Lobby Agency and an agent of the year uh, as named by the ACFW and the author of record for the Christian market guide, a Christian writer's market guide. Uh, Steve, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on.
0: So, why are agents and editors so hard to find for many authors? I know a lot of them feel like, gosh, where are all the agents? There's just not that many out there.
1: Well, that's part of the challenge is that there are a lot of them out there, but the problem is knowing which ones are the good ones or the valid ones. Um, because anybody can become an agent. There's no test you take. There's no organization you have to join. There's no vetting to be done to become a literary agent. And that's why there's a lot of crooks that roll around. And so if people just type in literary agent Arizona, where I am, uh, my name's the only one that comes up. And so I get calls from a lot of very strange people um, <laughs> because they're, they're depending on Google. And Google has no way to curate the answers. They just go by whatever criteria you type in. And so the problem is you can get a whole bunch of results, maybe. Uh, If you just type literary agents Christian, well, anybody can call themselves a Christian. Uh, are, Are they really? Do they really work in that space? Do they have legitimacy? All that kind of good stuff is what rolls in, and people get frustrated.
0: Yeah. One of the things I like about uh, the market guide is that in the agent section specifically, there's tips on how to get that agent interested in your book written by the agent himself or the agent herself, (laughs) uh, which I think is really valuable because like what you're talking about, you have a lot of people who don't know who you are if they're just um, bopping around on the internet and having some guidance to see if even is this the right person? Because a lot of people get a lot of unnecessary rejections because they are pitching their book to agents and publishing houses that don't do their kind of writing. And you, you know, if when somebody pitches me a fiction uh, book, I have a stock rejection that I send them because I don't represent fiction and it has nothing to do with how good their novel is. Your novel could be, you know, the next bestseller and could sell a ton of copies, but I just don't do that kind of book. And so I'm going to reject it every time. Whereas if somebody were to pull up the market guide and do the research, they would know that <laughs> they would know to send their fiction proposal to you or to Tamela or to Bob, one of the other agents in uh, the agency.
1: Well, the advantage of the market guide, it gives you a starting place, uh, a, I think uh, you and I have used the word a curated starting place um, where you can go beyond that, of course, but this is where you begin. If you want to stay in the Christian space, there is an entire book uh, published by Writer's Digest that's only literary agents, but it's of all types and all stripes. And it's probably, what, 300 pages long or something. It's quite Quite exhaustive, but the problem is, where do you start with your specific thing? If you're wanting to write a, you know, a military-style cookbook um, for surviving the surviving the Andes with as a hiker, well, you're probably not going to use the Christian Market Guide for that book. It would be a waste of time. But you could go somewhere else, maybe, and start there. I actually read a book
0: uh, called The Combat Kitchen. It was all about how the military has uh, affected our diet. And a lot of the food that we eat is based off of various innovations that came out of the military, like canned food was developed to help Napoleon's troops stay fed and how the US military has invented like instant pizza and the guacamole now that you come in packages that was built for the military. So there's actually a really interesting book there, and somebody wrote it, but it wouldn't have been published by any Christian agents or editors because there's no real gospel connection to the combat kitchen.
1: <laughs> no connection at all. <laughs> Next thing you know, McDonald's is going to be sell- selling meals ready to go. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> They do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is exactly what they do. And they even exist on military uh, bases. But back to the market guide, uh, would you say that knowing about a publishing company ahead of time gives you a better chance of your proposal being accepted as a better chance for success?
1: Yes. In fact, one question I will do when I'm teaching at, at various conferences or whatever, I might ask a, uh, a quiz of the class. It says, I'm going to name a denomination or I'm going to name a publisher and you tell me which church denomination is behind it. And I stump the room every time. Uh, You know, so for example, someone might be writing a, a book about their experience in speaking in tongues. All right, fine. Whether you agree or disagree with that topic, that's not the question. The question is who's, who's going to publish it? Well, you don't send that to a publisher who's, Background and understanding or belief in that is that you don't do that anymore. You need to find one that is of a more Pentecostal persuasion. Well, how are you going to know that? Well, one of the features in the market guide is in the very back, we actually have the, uh, uh, the all the publishers that are listed in the book broken down by their denomination.
0: Which is really fascinating because there are some denominations in here that I'm pretty sure I'd never heard of. <laughs> So, uh, you know, even obscure denominations uh, often will have a publisher attached to them. And those um, publishers often don't get as many queries, right? Because they're not Zondervan, they're not HarperCollins, or they're getting tons of attention.
1: Uh, Well, we also have a broken down in that listing is the magazines under those denominations, too. Because that's one of the keys about the market guide. It isn't all about books. It's also about periodicals and the magazine and the both online and print world, which is a vast opportunity for writers. And right there is where a lot of people fail to realize they can build a a nice career in writing, but using that route instead of writing the 50,000 or 100,000 word book. And
0: reaching more people, right? A magazine, you know, there are, I was looking at some denominational uh, magazine, I forget which one, it may have been Assemblies of God, and it had a circulation of either hundreds of thousands or millions of people because they were handed out at churches. Like you go in, and on the, you know, first Sunday of the month or whatever, there'd be a stack of them, and here's your bulletin for church, and here's your magazine, and man, if you were publishing that magazine, you were reaching a whole lot of people and it's easier to get acquired, right? a well, big publisher might do 100 or 200 books a year. The really big ones, maybe a little bit more than that. A magazine has to do dozens of articles every month and then the next month they have to find another several dozen articles and you know by the course of a year one magazine may do as many articles as the very biggest publishers except there's not just one or two of these there are hundreds of periodicals both online and offline that are desperate for content and uh, are paying for content. It's not like this is a charity writing. And a lot of, I think the reason why a lot of authors don't write for these periodicals is they just don't know about them.
1: That's ex- that's exactly the case. And this is when Sally Stewart started the Market Guide some 30 some odd years ago. This was what she was attempting to create with the original volume and was to have a place that where all of the magazines and all of the book publishers and all the editors were in one, one book, one volume. You know, there are those who think that Google is sufficient, and I keep saying, "Yeah, you could if you know how to use Google, sure." Um, but you also aren't going to get the vast opportunities that are out there. You might get three or four, but you won't get twenty-five because you won't know what you're looking for.
0: And, it, and it's Google's all about helping you find specifically what you're searching for. It's not good for if you're not quite sure what you're searching for. You Like, I want to be published. I want to know what kinds of people publish the sorts of things that I write. That's a hard question to go to Google to find, especially past the top five, right? And that's why I think the top five Get so much attention is they are the ones with the SEO, search engine optimization. For those of you keeping score at home, those are the ones that get the attention from Google. And yet, the ones that are more likely to say yes to you, especially the ones that are easier to start your career on, are the ones that perhaps won't rank uh, quite as high. Uh, now, so we talked about section one book publishers. Of course, the market guide lists all of the book publishers and a lot of information about what they acquire uh, and who to contact, often the email address and the mailing address. Um, of who to reach out to. So the exact information that you need to know to pitch them with your book. But the second section, which I, th- I think is very cool, is independent book publishers. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, we had to be, we had to separate the traditional publishers. This is, these are publishers that uh, have you sign a contract, pay you royalties. And as an author, you pay nothing. You get paid to publish the book. Well, then there's a whole other section of the publishing industry, and that's self-publishing. Well, the problem is you don't want to call it self-publishing per se, because it's not always that, because there are people who can do it all themselves, but then there's also packagers. These are organizations that, for a fee, they will help you with the editing. They'll get a cover design. They'll do the typesetting. They'll get the thing all ready for publication and do, you, do that for you, But you, as the author, pay for it. And so we decided the best way to distinguish between the two is that if you pay nothing to get traditionally published, that's in the book publisher section. If you are going to subsidize in any form, subsidize the publishing of the publication of your book, that would fall under the independent book publishers. And so there's a lot of them in there. We have pretty much all of them that are. Um, that are in the uh, in the marketplace themselves, and we even have a disclaimer at the beginning of the chapter is do your due diligence, check them out just because they're in the guide. Yes, we have vetted them, but for all we know, suddenly the guy the the head guy goes nuts and starts stealing money. Well, we won't know about it until after it becomes public but this is the kind of thing that we have to vet. For example, Tate Publishing used to be in the guide. Well, the owners of Tate Publishing were recently indicted, and I think they were convicted of fraud. Well, they were around for 15, 20 years, so something changed somewhere, and everything went wonky. But up until then... They that's who they said they were, and so they were in the guide for all those years. And we have to remove them when obviously when it turns out to be otherwise. That's a little off the, the 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 track, but you get the point.
0: And that doesn't just apply to independent publishers; it applies to periodicals and traditional publishers, and. Uh, agents right just because somebody's a good agent for somebody else doesn't mean they're going to be a good agent for you just because this publisher had success with a different kind of book doesn't mean that they'll have success with your kind of book and it's not they're not exchangeable it's like oh well this one is as good as any of the others it's like no that's not how this th- that's not how this works and so knowing where their specialty is and and not only helps them say yes to you, they're like, oh my gosh, we love your kind of book. We publish your kind of book all the time. We'd love to work with you. Uh, And, oh, by the way, we're experts at this, right? You write a women's book for women's ministries we have a special list that we've been building for the last 10 years of the leaders of you know 10,000 women's ministries at churches around the country and we will send you know all of them information about your book and they'll be ordering cases of your book you know that's really helpful if your book is for women's ministries it's not at all helpful if you're writing a YA book for young you know teenage Christian guys <laughs> it's like that is not the publisher for you uh, this huge asset that they've built over all these years will do you no good because uh, I will say, as a former teenage guy, your mom handing you a book that she got at her women's ministry, like, hey, I think you're going <laughs> to like this, is like the worst endorsement. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what you don't want. <laughs> it's like, oh, I think this is a really great book. I got it. My women's ministry for you, my teenage son. No, it's not going to happen. So uh, that's where it is useful to do your due diligence. And and I, I recommend uh, before you work with a publisher of any kind, find a happy customer or a happy um, Author who's with them, who's happy with their experience. And I feel like that's the best kind of protection from, regardless whether it's independent or traditional. Uh, can you on your own find somebody who's happy? Anyone can put a happy testimonial on their website, but do some research and find out. But it's not just uh, independent book publishers. This is what's really interesting. If you are truly doing things yourself, if you're independent and you're acting like a publisher yourself and you want to hire a cover designer and you want to hire an editor, uh, all of those uh, specialists are also listed in the books. So there's a whole You know, there's pages and pages of editors and there's pages and pages of cover designers and the other kind of technicians that work. And a lot of these people are the same folks who work for the traditional publishers. They work freelance for them and they can work freelance for you. And um, it lists their prices too, if I'm not mistaken, or like a range. Yeah. If they give it.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. It's one of the questions we ask them, would you be willing to put your range of pricing in here? Um, And that can help you figure out how to budget. Uh, There's probably close to 70, 80 pages of this type of support materials in there. They're in different parts of the book. We have the section right under the um, independent book publishers, and these are specifically people who have said, we want to be listed here to help those who self-publish. But then there's also another full section later on that's all about editors um, of all types.
0: I think that's really solid. Finding good editors is really key. And again, like with literary agents, anybody can put their hat on and say, I'm an editor. And that doesn't mean that they're any good, and I like that chaos, right? Like I'm a big fan of the free market. Of uh, you know anybody putting their their name out there, and if they're good, the cream rises to the surface. Uh, but having a list uh, that's vetted is useful to so make sure you're actually getting cream and not a cream like uh, food product, uh, <laughs> which which does exist in the grocery store. Now the next session section of the book, uh, specialty markets, I thought was very interesting. Uh, so uh, the first one here is daily devotional booklets and websites. What is this?
1: Well, these are the, the smaller services. There's not very many of them, but they are unique. And these are places that will take your devotional material. Um, they're not necessarily your typical magazine that has a wide circulation, but they might have a grand readership. And yeah, it's, it's a unique little, little, little thing that, um, I don't remember who it was that I think it was Lynn Johnson recommended that we put it in there, and uh, we had it helped people classify themselves as it to to get in there,
0: Uh, which I think is really great for the market and can be a really powerful. Um, ministry tool, right? You get this, it, I imagine these are kind of small booklets that are designed specifically for devotional. So it's not a kind of traditional book. So it's almost like a halfway between a book and a magazine. Uh, but if you think about it, there's a lot of those that are made every year.
1: And they're also online. So these are, a lot of them are denominational. Um, you know, there's about 15 or 20 of them listed here. I mean, it's a it's a small thing, but it's again, a market that writers might not realize is available to them.
0: Yeah. And another one I thought was interesting is greeting cards and gifts. I was like, how do you break into the greeting card business? It's like, well, here's a list of people who are looking for greeting card writers and they'll actually buy your poems. So If you're a poet and you're like, no one's buying poetry anymore. That is false. Greeting card companies are totally buying poetry. They're only buying a certain kind of poetry, right? Your dark, brooding, moody poetry is probably not going to uh, <laughs> not going to sell to Hallmark or whoever. Uh, but there are people who are looking for poems to put on
1: greeting cards. Well, I have a client uh, who writes you know, devotional material and uh, and other nonfiction, but for many years she made a living writing greeting cards. She actually would write hundreds of them. And got paid. See, Dayspring, which is the number one Christian greeting card company, is actually owned by Hallmark. Most people don't know that. And so there's that connection.
0: The uh, next section is uh, very close to my heart because I secretly did this back when I was in college. And that is gospel tracks. So I actually wrote two gospel tracks that are still for sale in circulation. I actually, just checked uh, on the website that um, I was with, and I was like, I wonder if those are still for sale, and they're totally uh, still for sale, which is really cool. And you know, that's a you know, a lot of writers when they go into writing, like I want to advance the gospel. Well, the kind of corest essence of that is a gospel track, right? The writing is not very much. You don't have a lot of room, uh, but it does have a huge reach. You know, there are people who pass out hundreds or thousands of gospel tracks every month. I used to be one of those people. I used to be on the side of the street, you know, passing tracks out to people. Sometimes the track that I had written, um, To people, and there's there's potential there, and it's a great place to get started too, because it doesn't take as much time to write a gospel track as it does to write a 200 page, you know, theological treatise. (laughs) It's a lot simpler writing.
1: True, true, and yet it takes great skill to boil it all down into 100 words or 250 words. Uh, You know, Good News Publishers, which is one of the main ones here, they're actually the parent company of Crossway Books, which also publishes the English Standard Version of the Bible. And most people don't know that that entire company started as a gospel track organization, and they still are. They, they will distribute tens of millions of tracks every year, but they constantly need new content. So
0: there you go. And the final one under specialty markets is Bible curriculum. This is the sort of thing I feel like is what the Christian guide, uh, Christian market, writers market guide really excels is this like uniquely Christian sub-sub-sub-genre. <laughs> but yet, there, you know, millions of people study the Bible every year in various ways. Now, is this Bible curriculum like for Bible colleges or Bible curriculum more for Sunday school at church?
1: It's it's Sunday school and church. So it's primarily uh, writing for the – Uh, the elementary school age, and maybe older. A lot of churches have gone away from, you know, the typical and traditional Sunday school curriculum. But David C. Cook, for example, they bought Gospel Light. They bought Scripture Press. They bought Standard Publishing. So pretty much David C. Cook owns all of the major Bible curriculum outlets but they continue to write within those categories. So you might have a church that has always used Scripture Press. Well, they still do. But it happens to be run and managed by David C Cook. Uh, it's really quite fascinating. And I meant do they
0: still accept separately? So like Scripture Press has their own acquisitions team or is that it's just a single acquisitions team at David C Cook?
1: Yeah, yeah, you would go you would go to David C Cook and then figure out from there if they like what you're doing. Sometimes they will uh, take writers and assign them something uh, they don't necessarily take proposals per se, but they are looking for quality writers. Uh, I believe i can't remember if we have a class uh, in the institute I think we do on writing uh, writing curriculum but um, it's a it's a niche and it's again it's something i I met a lady in uh, January at a local conference here who has been writing for her denominational curriculum division for 35 years. Wow. And she's not on staff. She's, you know, as she says, I'm just a grandma who knows how to talk (laughs) to kids. You know, it's like, wow, that's really cool.
0: And a huge impact. And she's able to do it, you know, from home, presumably. she's just on her computer writing for kids.
1: Oh, yeah. She's not even in the same state.
0: Yeah. And yet reaching thousands or you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of children with her writing.
1: And if you think about it, she's been doing it before computers. Wow. Were a normal and natural thing. She used to type it out and mail it in.
0: Like on a typewriter, like on paper, you used to do that.
1: Yeah, I think I think there was something called the <laughs> pencil. The pencil.
0: <laughs> I I think that's I think that's a myth. I don't think people actually use those. I'm pretty sure no. <laughs> the pencil is the thing you have with your iPad, right, for writing on your that's on your what tablet. it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so the final section, and this is the section everyone is the most excited about, and I think this is the section people who typically buy the book by, uh, the book four, but I'm putting it last and it's last in the book on purpose because the other sections really are important. Like the periodicals really are important, the specialty markets, but this is section five support for writers. And of course, agents are listed. My name is in here. Your name is in here. All God's children, (laughs) all God's agents are in here, um, or at least the ones that have been vetted and made their way into the Christian market guide. But what else? other than agents and tips on what the agents are looking for and how to get accepted. Obviously that's very cool. And people get excited about that. What else is in here though, for support for writers?
1: Well, we have all the writers conferences listed. Um, These are every Christian writers conference, regional, national, um, where they are, when, when they're, uh, when they happen, you can, I think it's broken down by state even. So if you're in, Arkansas, you can see what um, what conferences are in Arkansas or what conferences are in Oklahoma and when they are and what kind of conferences they are. Because you might hear about, oh, I've heard about this conference called Realm Makers and it's going to be in St. Louis. And I write um, theology. Well, you don't go to Realm Makers if you're writing a systematic theology because that's all about science fiction and fantasy. You would not fit in. And wouldn't, you know, it just wouldn't work for you. So that having it all in one place, there's really no, you can't Google that. You couldn't Google Christian writers. You can't.
0: I've tried. I have tried. And writers conferences, God bless them. Uh, they do not have good websites often and they have typically very terrible search engine optimization uh, with a handful of exceptions of the top ones. And so your local conference in your state may not rank, even if they're in your hometown.
1: And part of that is that they're just setting up for the local uh, operation and then it changes own uh, management or the data changes every year. And so to really work the, the website, like a, you know, like a normal business would do, it's, it's too um, fluid, I guess, would be one way to put it. But it is a great tool. Um, if, you're, if you're wanting to attend a conference and you don't, where to, don't know where to begin, this is a great place to start. Another, sec- another section on here is the writers groups. That would be for local area writers groups that have asked to be listed in here. So again, by state, you can look up and see, oh, I live 20 miles away from that location and they meet You know, every other month. I can go to that meeting, but how would you know otherwise? You wouldn't even know they existed. Yeah, you can do a search for meetup groups
0: on meetup.com, but meetup only will show you groups that pay to be on meetup.com. So if your group is not an official meetup group, it's not going to be listed. So like for instance, an ACFW American Christian fiction writers group, they don't use ACFW or so they don't use meetup. They use a different system and they're not going to be listed. Whereas they would be listed in the market guide.
1: All right. Uh, one of the things we've done and we, we can address this later as well, but uh, we put all the information that's in the physical book and an online form as well by subscription, which allows you to do searches. So for example, you could search for Writers' Conferences, Nebraska, You could, and it would, your results would come up. Or if you were one to search for magazines that publish uh, uh, short stories, all of that come up. Or if you looking for a magazine that wants to do an article on, say, a social issue like abortion or trafficking or something like that, those results will come back within that one website. So it's the same thing here with the conferences and the groups. You can do the searches that way if you don't have the uh, the hard copy version.
0: And I actually really like the online version because it's all of the power of a search engine plus all of the vetting and focus of the paper book. And as a good millennial, I have that anti-paper bias. I try to use <laughs> paper as, as little as possible. Um, although I, I will touch paper from time to time. Uh, now, you, you talk about editorial services here under support for writers. How is this different from editors. This is this is the same. These are independent editors as well as editing companies?
1: Yes. In fact, the earlier section was more de- design and production services that are intended to help people self-publish. For editorial services, this is where you have, um, for example, I have a, a novelist client Who is heavily published and very well known and on bestseller lists, but she will not turn in her manuscript to her published editor, her publishing editor, until she has it edited already. Because she says, I want my best work to be put in front of my editor at Big Bad Ugly Publisher. So she hires somebody.
0: It's the, it's the neighbor of the Big Bad Wolf publisher. This is the Big Bad Ugly Publisher.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so what she's doing is she is pre-editing her manuscript to make sure what she has is the very best. Well, these editors are listed here. And like I said, there's about 70 pages of them. And it's every freelancer. Because remember, there's three different kinds of editors. There's developmental editors who look at the big picture, find out, you know, the structure, um, is this going in the right direction? Then you have copy editors that are looking for your grammar. And then you have proofreaders who all they do is make sure that you got the right periods and commas in the right place and that you haven't swapped letters in the spelling of a word or something. All are different kinds of editors. So you have to make sure when you're searching for an editor, you're searching for the kind of editor you need because a proofreader is not necessarily a good developmental editor, and a developmental editor is not necessarily a good proofreader. For example, I am a developmental editor. I see the big picture. I am a horrible proofreader as my blog continues to exhibit. Um, <laughs> I actually have to hire somebody, guys, in case you're wondering, to come in after me to make sure that I have spelled the words right. And that's just, I don't see it. And you know what that's like as a writer. You don't necessarily see your own mistakes until somebody points it out. And that's what these editorial services will do for you.
0: And uh, going on, you also have uh, marketing and publicity services, which can be helpful with your traditional or indie, obviously more useful if you're indie. But I, I, as somebody who ran a marketing service for a long time, I'll say I worked with a lot of traditionally published authors. <laughs> they get their advance and the very first thing they would do is get help with their website or with their marketing plan and uh, that can also be helpful in helping you get a better uh, publisher or a better agent or an agent in the first place is having more of a platform there's companies that can help you do that authors typically are either time rich or cash rich if you're time rich (laughs) what you need to do is take courses on the writers institute christian writers institute and learn how to do things yourself because we have classes on everything right you can learn how to market you can learn how to write and craft and pr all of it If you're time rich, and then as you learn how to do it, you do it yourself. Other people, you know, have tons of money, but they are super busy. They're cash rich and they're time poor. And for those people, the better approach is to surround themselves with professionals that they pay money to who do the things for them. Now, some people are like, well, I'm cash poor and time poor. And to that person, (laughs) I would say, you need to revisit your priorities because you will fail. (laughs) Like, you have to, (laughs) if you want to succeed in writing, you have to make it a priority. And you have to either give it the time that it needs or the money that it needs. And I will say, the most successful writers are writers who are able to come with a full plate where they're both time rich and cash rich. Uh, And often those are writers who have already had success. Being either time rich or cash rich and the success they've had writing either frees up their time or frees up their money uh, to be able to have more success. As Jesus said to him who has more will be given <laughs> and to him who does not have even the readers he thinks he has are really just his mom or, or something like that or something. It's <laughs> so not quite exactly what Jesus said, but it's the same idea. Uh, Now we also, and so speaking of professionals, you also list uh, legal and accounting services, so law firms and accounting firms. And I was happy to see my dad's firm listed here. Uh, My dad, (laughs) Tom Stat CPA, has been working with authors for thirty-five years. I'm going to give him a plug on my podcast, and if you want his information, it's in the Market Guy.
1: (laughs) There you go. Well, it's a service that you know there are unique things to a writer's professional life and income that near typical h and block guy over at the mall isn't necessarily going to understand. Um, There's some just some very unique things that, um, that these kind of people can help. Plus, if you need help with how to account for your money, period, just setting it up and uh, having someone talk you through setting up an LLC or setting up separate bank accounts and all that kind of thing, uh, this is where it's sometimes worth. Worth the investment to hire a professional to to help you so you don't make mistakes.
0: As the old saying goes, a stitch in time saves nine. And often in a year when you're about to pay your taxes, you really wish you could have gone back in time and done things better the previous year. And uh, CPA helps you do that for the next year, knows what to do kind of uh, planning wise. And then real quick, uh, we also, gosh, there's a lot in this guide, uh, but speaking services and contests. So speaking services are if I'm wanting to speak more and connect with a speaking agency, it's a list of the various Christian speaking agencies. And then writing contests uh there's quite a few of those listed
1: yeah quite a few and this is another way of getting your your material out in front of eyes potentially professionalize um in my role as an agent over the years i have served as a judge on dozens of different contests and i i have a client today who i discovered in a contest her material was so far and far away um uh, the best that was there that I actually contacted the contest people and said, can I find out who this person is? Cause you know, you're reading it blind. And uh, I contacted her and signed her as a client and she's now published, I think six or seven novels um, just because I found her as a reader, as a judge, this, I mean, I'm not going to say this happens to everybody, but that is an example of why you enter contests uh, is to put your work out there and Gets maybe get some feedback, or you you might win a prestigious award. Um, you might win something like the Genesis Award at ACFW. Well, that's intended for first time writers, and uh, you know it it gives you that boost of confidence that you are on the right track, and you get the attention of agents and editors who are uh, very interested in the next the next level and the next wave of of, of talent because they're always looking.
0: And the other thing I like is that these are vetted uh, contests because there's a lot of scam contests out there where you're not, no one's actually looking at your writing. It's just a kind of
1: a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, they're just taking your money.
0: Yeah, they're just taking your money and um, maybe even no one wins, right? Because how do you know that Joe Schmo, the quote-unquote winner, is a real person? Uh, whereas the contest here, you know that there's real people behind them. And it's also very transparent if there's an entry fee, what that fee is, and if there's a prize uh, what that prize is so and this is one of the things it's not to say that these are good contests uh, but it's to say that they are known they are not known to be bad contests and I think that's an important distinction so if somebody has a bad reputation in the industry they're not in the guide right like tape publishing is no longer in the guide that doesn't mean that everyone is of you know is perfect in the guide but as far as we know and as far as known because you know it this is the same thing when I you know moved into my house, I had this inspector, you know, come and I did this walkthrough and he found every single little thing that was wrong with the house. And I had to sign this piece of paper that basically said he can't see behind walls. <laughs> and he, you know, <laughs> just because he didn't find anything didn't mean that there was nothing there to find. And I think that's an important distinction when it comes to the market guide. You know, we've done as best we can kind of looking through and make sure that these people have a good reputation or don't have a bad reputation, but we can't see into hearts, right? Like. You know, the heart is, you know, only God knows the heart. And so we're not, this is not, you know, the Holy Spirit has backed these people. That's not what this is. Uh, and I think I think that's, that's pretty obvious. Uh, I do want to, uh, real quick before we go, talk about the two versions. There's online and print. And uh, our sponsor today is actually the Market Guide. So uh, if you, and we have a special deal for our podcast listeners, if you buy the print version, you get a free year of the online version, which I think is a $20 value, $25 value, something like that.
1: $25 value. Yeah. So
0: you get a $25 value, uh, edition of the online. So you can have the paper version, which is very nice. Uh, and you can smell the paper and at the same time, uh, get the online. So you get the best of both worlds. And, uh, I think the, um, Amazon changes the price from time to time, but I think the paper version is actually cheaper than the online version. So it's actually cheaper to get both.
1: It is, right? Yeah. As of today, it is. Um, Well, and one advantage, and your listeners need to know this, the advantage of the online edition is that it's updated throughout the year. When we print print the book, we print it in November, and it's released in December and shipped out and available, and anybody can buy them, and that's fine. But that is a, it's like a stamped version of the book. We can't update the print version every month, whereas the online version corrects it. When we printed the book in, like I said, in November, let's see, this is March. um, I think we have made approximately 120 changes in the book. That's not unusual. We can have 30, 40, 50 changes every month that get updated. They then show in the next print version but this is why you always, you know, do your due diligence. You take the print version. And we all know with a reference book, you like to flip the pages and all of that. Um, but That's why we're offering this special. You buy the paperback. You can get the online version for a year for free and decide, well, I don't want one or the other. You might like the print version. Fine. You might want to switch over and swap over to the uh, online version. Uh, which is why we're doing it this way.
0: Yeah, and how it works, you just email your receipt or a photo of your receipt if you bought it in real life uh, to receipt at christianwritersinstitute.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And if you've already purchased a paper copy of the 2019, you can still get you can still send in your receipt.
1: Yes, it's, this is good f- to all, all of you.
0: It doesn't count if it's 2018. <laughs> yeah, so if you bought the 2018 book, you have to buy the 2019 book. But anyone who bought the 2019 book can get a free copy And um, also our uh, Christian Writers Institute sponsor is a free course titled how to use the Christian Writers Market Guide, which is a video that walks you through and actually shows the different sections and how to use it. And we will have a link to that as well. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the Christian uh, Christian (laughs) Publishing Show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to The Christian
0: Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit ChristianPublishingShow.com.